Welcome to the Making Sense of Marketing podcast series, Insights into Success. Today, my special guest is international photographer, Robert Jackson-Mee. Thank you, Robert, for joining me on the podcast. Um, I was just wondering if we could start off by you telling me about how you actually got into photography. So I was about 14 years old, and in my dad's wardrobe, I found an old Zenith Russian-built black-and-white camera. I nicked it, (laughs) and I went out and I shot all these pictures. I forgot about it for six months. My dad took the film to the chemist to be processed, and all my pictures came back. And he walked in the bedroom with them. That was it. Hooked. I loved it. And how did your father feel when he found your photos? Was he angry or happy or...? He was furious, because at that time, each picture cost quite a lot of money. Right. I mean, quite a lot. Right. And we weren't a wealthy family. Um, he just told me off, but in a sort of nice way. It was right. okay. Yeah. Mm. So what made you to decide to um, go on and make photography a career for you? From that point on, from that age, there was never going to be anything else. Right. No way. I had to pursue a career in photography. I started earning a living from it when I was 16. I had someone working for me. And then I found out you could do a degree at university in photography could not believe that right that was for me bonanza time and so i went down to interview the course was very low grade and i was easy accepted it was no big deal and during the course i realized i could make a serious career from it so i think um, you've mentioned to me before that after um, university you had an opportunity um, to work with lord snowden could you tell me a little bit about that story? Yeah, so I went for a job interview with him and he um, gave me a prospect. He said, look, Robert, go away, photograph 100 weddings, come back and I'll let you clean the studio floor. <laughs> Literally. Wow. I did that. I did my 100 weddings and I cleaned the studio floor for him. I then went for another interview with a photographer who said the same thing to me. Oh, really? Yeah. And I said, I've just done 100 weddings. And so the guy was Norman Gold, he was a car photographer, and he gave me the job on the spot. He couldn't believe he met someone that actually done the 100 weddings. I did it. Right. Mm. Wow. Mm. And what happened after that? So London was a bit of a struggle. I was an assistant for a few years, earning nothing, didn't enjoy it. Big break came when I decided to break the mold, leave London and go to Hong Kong. And wow, I loved it. Right. Hong Kong in those days was fantastic. Opened a studio, employed lots of people, started meeting famous people, travelled everywhere. These were happy days. So that was the key, do you think? You By going out and going to Hong Kong? Definitely. That was what really gave you Definitely. the big Breaking, breaking the mould from London. Right. Not following the same trodden path that everyone I knew was doing. That was the key. Hong Kong was the key. Getting out, finding something where I was happier. So what was happening in Hong Kong at that time? Why, why did that work out so well? Uh, I don't really know. I just, everything fell into place. Got off the aeroplane, found a studio, phone rang within a week. I loved them. They loved me. I loved the vibe. I worked all night, all day. Yeah. The two, Hong Kong and Robert just worked. It's a marriage in heaven. It really was great. So you ended up with quite a few staff working with you. Yeah. Yeah, so probably about at the peak, probably about 10 people in all. Um, that was not pleasurable. Uh, there was 10 mouths to feed every month. I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> right, it's quite stressful. Yeah, cut it back down to three. Three was perfect. Um, then I was happy, yeah. So basically, you decided to go to Hong Kong because you felt that you were in, sort of trapped in the rat race in London and there was so much competition there and you really were going to struggle to sort of 
stand out from the crowd. So, so you needed to... No, no, let's put that right. So the competition in Hong Kong was way more fierce than London. Oh, okay. So what was the difference then? Yeah, so London I could see the future. Right. It was a trodden path, trodden by everyone before me. Everyone behind me was going to do it. It was a trodden path. Right. I didn't want that. Right, you, so you wanted to experience something different. Definitely. Right. And I wound up going to China, what, 30 or 40 times. I met lots of famous people, did lots of diverse work. Hong Kong was the key, 100%. Right. Um, so tell me a little bit about the sort of projects that you've done and clients and that, that you've photographed over the years. So a very strange thing happened. Um, in Hong Kong, I did photograph a few famous people. Um, Michael Jackson was one of them, and we got on really well. He was in those days uh, sponsored by Pepsi, and yeah. I was very natural with him. And he made a comment about that, and his manager put me in his little black book. And that black book lasted for about the next 30 years. Wow. So I never told anyone that I'd met Michael Jackson. I never told anyone that I'd photographed him. And I think that goes down quite well in that industry. Just right. yeah, keep things quiet. Um, just travel work. It was just diverse. It was fantastic. So... What other famous people have you photographed oh, over the years? Um, I, know, I know there's a few. Yeah, so I, I photographed Bill Clinton. I got yeah. on really well with him. Um, I photographed, um, oh, just so many. I can't even remember them all, to be honest with you. Um, but at the top, right down to, you know, the bottom of the spectrum, I've met them all. And in terms of sportsmen, you've photographed a few of those too. Yeah, so when I got to New Zealand, I did Jonah Lomo's book. Yeah. His front cover for him. I did Stephen Fleming's book cover. Yeah. And Jonah and his sort of humility and humbleness was what took me. He was really ill when I photographed him, really ill. Right. But he remained professional. Stephen Fleming, professional. Um, just really great people. Fantastic people, in fact. And aside from individuals, you've also done some interesting projects um, in terms of products and that too, haven't you? Yeah, so I photographed um, Diamonds. Wow. Okay. Yeah, big diamonds. Um, Sultan Brunei used me for a number of years for his private collection. Yeah. And that requires a specialised 58 facets on a lot of diamonds, all need lighting. I got really good at that and right. really enjoyed it, actually. Mm. Right. Mm. Is there any um, project that you've done that kind of stands out that was a bit different, a bit sort of quirky, that uh, was outside the norm? Underwater. Okay. Underwater, an entire um, set underwater, the whole thing. The idea was we were going to invert the image. It's a bit hard to explain. Before Photoshop, you had to do it for real. Right. Took three weeks. The whole set underwater. We lived underwater in a massive pool. It was amazing. Wow. Mm. So for you, um, with photography, you weren't um, focused on, for instance, just doing individuals um, or landscapes for that matter. You're really quite diverse in what you photograph. Yeah, and that's where Hong Kong came in. Hong Kong gave me this diverse portfolio. I did come back to England for a few years. I was not happy back in England. That's why we came to New Zealand. New Zealand gave me the diverse work again. Yeah. And then the famous people started arriving in my studio, which was great, really great, actually. And was that still from that little black box? I think it was. <laughs> There's no other explanation for it. My phone would ring. They would arrive. I mean, one day Robbie Williams walked into the studio and it was just, like, so casual, you know, so nice, so right. normal. It was really great. Mm. And out of interest, actually, did you find these people... Were they often quite grounded? Or, I mean, I imagine there was a real mixture, but, like, were you often... Um, did you feel disappointed when you met them? Or were you quite pleasantly surprised by some of them? 
So almost like the higher up the famous ladder they go, the more normal they became. Right, okay. Yeah, and everyone sort of talks about Michael Jackson as being strange. I found him very childlike. His sense of humor was very young. Yeah. But he was just a really nice, nice guy. Person. Mm, definitely, yep. Okay. So as a business owner, though, did you ever have any times when you really struggled and either came close to failure or questioned what you were doing? Definitely. So I, I flew up to um, northern China to photograph, uh, I can't give you the name, um, but someone pretty special. And in those days, it was all on film. Coming home, lost the film. Oh, no. Lost the lot. So what, what, what did that mean? What did well, you... disaster, bankruptcy for me, because there was so much money at stake for the whole trip. There was a whole team of us went up. Right. Film showed up. Wow. Film showed up. The doorbell rang and a Chinese guy was holding this bag of film. It had been left at the airport. I mean, you know. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Yeah, it was unbelievable. It was, but that's what happened. Right. Mm. And aside from that, you know, were there times when, you know, you really struggled, you know, in terms of feeling like trying to cope with the business and make ends meet at all? Yeah, so originally when we first got to Hong Kong, we had no money. And um, finances were tough, really tough. And with photography, you're shelling out money all the time. Yeah. And cash flow just became a nightmare. There's no loans at that time for us. No. And we were doing it on credit cards at one point, and that was stressful. It really was. But, you know, looking back, it was all part of it, really. Part of the journey. Mm, definitely. And why do you think that you succeeded uh, in getting to work with so many international celebrities like you did when there's so many other photographers out there vying you know, for that same sort of work? Definitely the answer to that is discretion. Right. To this day, um, none of those photographs that I took for myself have ever been published right. and never will be. Right. Um, the stories are good, but the, the imagery of me with these people and the outtakes are all with me and I will never publish them. Right. Discretion. Right. And not telling people till years later what I'd done that's the key and and was that something that um, was conveyed to you as an expectation or was that just something you naturally did and they became aware that you were very discreet with what you did I think they became aware of it that I wasn't selling stories or sell, on selling the outtake pictures or anything like that definitely I think right. we've got out yeah right sure. yeah okay mm. and what do you consider to be the main qualities required to succeed in business resilience Resilience is the word that keeps coming back every time. It's just so easy to give up. It's just mm. so easy to walk away. That's the easy option, right? Mm. Walk away. Start something else. Try again. Resilience is the key. Don't give up. I, I guess one of my concerns is that the media tend to gloss over the challenges that business people have, and they just focus on the success, and they like to portray it as quick success. And my concern with that is that what they're doing is instilling this expectation on people that if they don't succeed quickly, then they're not doing the right thing and they need to go on to something else. Uh, but in my experience, at least, I feel that um, that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, that success doesn't generally come quickly and it requires real perseverance to to achieve and if people have this unrealistic expectation then they could potentially walk away from an opportunity which could have ultimately come to fruition if they had shown that resilience i totally agree with that and i think in modern day society we want it all we want it now yeah. we want it instantly because we're looking at it all the time 
and it's not like that. No. It's just, I mean, social media doesn't sort of portray the disaster stories, the hard grind. It just doesn't say that. No. And a lot of life is like that, definitely. Mine was anyway. Some yeah. real lows, Paul. Real lows. Yeah. 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 And from you, your point of view, what kept you going? What kept you sort of pushing on as opposed to just giving up? I think the answer to that is my wife. Right. Alison. Yeah. Without her. I, I wouldn't be sitting talking to you, no question about that. Yeah. She was the reason I did well. I used to come back, she'd support me. I'd go back out there every time. It's Alison, 100%. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And what advice would you give small business owners right now uh, to help them succeed? Long-term strategy. Short-term will never work. Long-term yeah. strategy. And I'm not talking a year or two. I'm talking 10 years. Long-term yeah. thinking. That's been my key I could always see the future 10 years down the track. That's why I left London. I could see the future 10 years down the track. I didn't want that. Right. Short, short-term goal, short-term anything is never going to be a good policy. No way. Long-term. Look for the long-term. And tell me, though, with that, though, because it seems like um, so many things are changing constantly, is part of that long-term strategy, though, um, being able to um, adapt, to pivot as required, is part of that, do you think? Yeah, I mean, the, the saying evolve or die has been yeah. my story. Right. Um, I was the first photographer in New Zealand to go 100% digital, walk away from film. I'm trained in film. Wow. That's my okay. degree. And I yeah. walked away from it at a very, very early stage. And I've actually got a letter from the Kodak rep, who's dead, by the way, who said, you know, film will always rule. You know, it's basically digital will come and go. I've got that yeah. letter from him. Wow. You know, and I could see what was going to happen. Evolve or die, change, right. move with it. Mm. So, because I, I think that's a really important message too, mm. is you have your long-term goals, but you've got to be prepared to evolve through that time to achieve because, yeah, things do change. Oh, definitely. I have a very strong memory of giving up film. The cameras we use are big plate cameras, Yeah. very specialised bits of kit made in Switzerland. I had to just put it in the bin. It was worthless. You know, and I went digital, and it was like starting all over again, you know. And what was the key motivating factor for you doing that? What made you go, right, I, I need to go to digital now? I just didn't want to be a piece of dead wood bitching about digital and how it was ruining everything. I just didn't want to be one of those guys. I just right. didn't, you know. Digital was fantastic. I embraced it right from the beginning. To put things in perspective, I spent $68,000 on a 1.8 megapixel camera. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, <laughs> so that was a big move for me. Wow. Huge move. Yeah, that's, yeah that mm. was a huge commitment. Mm. Mm. But obviously you really could see um, where it was all going and you just Absolutely. didn't want to be left behind. Absolutely right. Yeah. Yep. Amazing. All right. Well, thank you so much, Robert. Um, I think your journey um, and success provides you know, real inspiration uh, for us all. Um, so thank you for that. That's been a pleasure, Paul. Um, and that's it for today's um, Insights into Success.